KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzay Torah. We're listening to the Erev Shabbat program. Erev Shabbat Kodesh, Parashat, Behar Bechukotai, Kaf Gimel Yar, and I'm your host, Jonathan Snowbell. The Erev Shabbat program is Lilui Nishmat Shlomo Yosef and Chaim Shmuel. In the past, I've discussed an idea that when the Torah commands us to count something, to actually count using the word lispor, samach peresh, which comes up in three contexts, there's a very specific meaning. It comes up in the context of the sfira, the counting of the clean days of the zava the zava. It's mentioned twice there, it's one idea. It comes up, of course, in sfira ta'omer, and it comes up in the counting, which is in this week's parsha of the 49 years till the 50th year of Yovel. We discussed that the Torah constantly demands of us to count in many, many different contexts without actually saying count, which means when the Torah actually says count, v'safarta, usfartem lachem, v'safarla, then there's a different meaning it's not just a technical knowledge of knowing when something will happen, because that we constantly need to know. When someone's tamed for seven days, the Torah doesn't say count seven days by tumat met, metzorah. When the Torah tells us that chag is on the 15th day, we also need to count to the 15th day. Without getting into great detail, We've clearly pointed out that there's a difference between the Torah commands us to count and when the Torah does not command us to count. And there's a different message when the Torah commands us to count, because then it must not just be functional, because in many places the Torah demands of us to count without telling us to count. The idea we've developed in the past is that when the Torah demands of us to count, we won't get into the proof of this, because we've dealt with this in the past, then the Torah is saying that the actual counting, there's a, the process in itself is important. Not just the end product, but the actual process of reaching the end product. In other words, the Torah doesn't care what happens between Aleph Nisan and Tetvav Nisan. The important thing is that you know that on Chag HaMatzot, you don't have any chametz in the house. There's no process of reaching Chag HaMatzot, and therefore there's no mitzvah to count until Chag HaMatzot. But in the other mitzvot, there is a process that we're involved with, not just reaching the end. I'm saying this very briefly because I've said it in the past and also because I have something specific to say vis-à-vis Bihar Bechukotai and I don't have a lot of time in which to say it in. When we're talking about then the counting vis-à-vis the Shanat Hayovel, the 50th year, what is the 50th year about? The 50th year stands out in three areas. One is the fact that it is similar to all Shemitah years, that uh, we're not allowed to do any working of the land, which shows our ownership of the land. But as I said, that's not so unique to Yovel, because that's true during all the Shemitah years as well. 
The two unique factors are freeing of all the slaves and returning of all land to the original owner. These two ideas are extreme formulations of the idea that the Torah is putting forward here of freedom and equality for, for all human beings. That if a person was poor in this cycle of Yovel, he was forced to sell his land, an important commodity for survival, for livelihood in an agricultural world. If a person was so poor that he was forced to sell himself into slavery, or to steal and therefore be sold into slavery, here comes the Yovelier to clean the slate. He who has amassed land must return the land. He who has was forced to to sell his land gets his land back. He who is forced to be a slave is freed and gets his land back. And there's a fresh start for all of society. Then when we look at this, this is a wonderful idea, but it happens once in 50 years. Once in 50 years is essentially once in a lifetime. It doesn't seem so significant. Here comes the Torah and says, You must count. Now this is a mitzvah that's incumbent on Beitin, to count these 49 years, to reach the 50th year of Yovel. And according to our working theory about the commandment of counting, it means that it's not only the 50th year which is significant, but there's a process here. In other words, Beit Din are commanded in some way, shape, or form, or Am Yisrael are commanded in some way, shape, or form, not only to be concerned about the values of Yovel, equality, social justice, giving everybody an equal opportunity to succeed in life, only on the 50th year, but throughout the 50th throughout the 50 years. That's the significance of the counting. Ad Khan, until this point, I haven't said anything that I haven't said in the past. What I noticed this year, thanks largely to my learning with my wife, is that the Torah in Parshat Behar actually follows through this process. Because Throughout the Parsha, Yovel is re-referred to over and over again within the context of helping out a guy who's in a more difficult situation. And I'll allow the readers to see this themselves, but just a few of the examples, or maybe we'll mention everything very briefly. We talk about a person who's forced to sell his land. And then the Torah says it's the responsibility of his goel, his relative, to try to get that land back from him. Before the Yovel. Oh, and if it doesn't work, then it'll go out in the Yovel. In other words, here the Torah is saying, don't let him slip into a process that for 43 years he'll be without land. You, his relative, take responsibility, buy that land back for him, and get him back on his own two feet. Torah talks about helping out a person who becomes poor before he gets into a bad situation, not taking from him 
rebeat, interest. If he is forced to sell himself into slavery, how he should be treated. If he's forced to sell himself, God forbid, to a non-Jew, then once again, his family member should come along and redeem him before the Yovel, even though he will be free to Yovel, free him now. In other words, throughout the Parsha, the Yovel was not just left at the beginning of the Parsha, commanding us to keep the Yovel in the 50th year, but an entire set of laws that relate to how we treat slaves, how someone should try to avoid being a slave, how someone should try to avoid losing his land, and all of it referencing Shnat HaYovel. Shnat HaYovel becomes the reference point throughout the Parsha. And we mention Shnat HaYovel throughout the Parsha. And the message being is that not only on Shnat HaYovel do we concern ourselves with these ideas that all of you will go back into the Chumash and see, but how we try to save a poor person from getting into a really bad situation, and if he's gotten into a bad situation, we try to redeem him from that bad situation, and not only after 50 years, but throughout the 50 years leading to Yovel. And that's the larger idea of Yovel, not just the 50th year, but the counting throughout the 50th year guides us towards this idea throughout the 50 years of equality, of helping a person stand on his own two feet, which, by the way, is also related to Shnat Hashemitah itself, because the seventh year removes the significance of ownership of land as well. Because it says, you own this land, but you don't own this land. It's God's land, and you're just going to open up your field. You're not going to work your field this year. Everybody's going to have equal access to your field. These are the ideas of Shemitah and Yovel, what the Torah calls Shabbatot Shanim. The Shabbat, not on a weekly basis, vis-a-vis the days, but the Shabbat, vis-a-vis the land, vis-a-vis the year cycle, the seven-year cycle, and then the 49-year cycle. With this background, we can look at a pasuk, at a couple of Supim and Parshat B'chukotai, and a pasuk at the end of Bahar in a new light. The Torah doesn't tell us very clearly what sins specifically are at the basis of the Tochacha, the great description of, of punishment that God describes at great length in Parshat B'chukotai. It doesn't say which laws. General terms of rejecting God's commandments, God's laws. However, there is reference to two sins in the punishment. Because in Pasuk Lamed Dalad, in Perikav Vav, it says, By the fact that God removes us from the land, the land will 
now keep the Shabbatot that it wasn't able to keep before. Implication being, Am Yisrael were not keeping the Shemitah, the Shabbatot cycle, and now the land, which was not laid fallow because Am Yisrael were not keeping the Shemitah, now when Am Yisrael is in Galut, the land will remain fallow and the land will be able to keep those years of Shemitah. In other words, there's a reference here to the fact that, and this is what Chazal say, Ba'avon Shemitin V'yovlot, it's for the sin of the not keeping Shemitah and Yovel, that we go into Galut. So then, if we can ask ourselves why keeping the Shemitah and Yovel cycle is so important, it's not just the land being laid fallow. There's a whole system here of social justice that is at the basis of the idea of Shemitah and Yovel. And when Shemitah and Yovel are not kept, it's not merely the fact that the land has not laid fallow, which demands that Am Yisrael go into Galut. What we've described here is that there's a whole system behind the Shabbatot Hashanim, the Shabbat of the years, as opposed to the Shabbat of the weeks, or of the days. And that system is failing to be fulfilled. And this is when we open up the Nevi'im and Yeshayahu and Yirmiyahu, talking about a lack of justice. Yirmiyahu specifically talks about, and we read this as the Haftarah of Parshat Mishpatim, of the people freeing their slaves and then very quickly coming back and taking them back and not freeing their slaves, not giving them a new opportunity to start life from afresh, from new. This lack of the entire system of Shabbatot HaShanim, this is what's causing the Galut. As an aside, I'll mention, Abu Dazara is also alluded to in the Tochacha. Now, if you go back to the end of Parshat Behar, those of you who will read the parasha closely will see that the parasha could have ended at the end of pasuk at, par, at the end of parakafe. Kili bnei Yisrael avadim avaday hem asher otzeti otam eretz mitzrayim ani Hashem elokechem. Because bnei Yisrael are slaves for me, they're my slaves. I took them out of mitzrayim ani Hashem elokechem. That would have been a very nice way to end the parasha. And in fact, the people who separated the Torah into prakim. And the parak there, and then there's two more psukim. Lot asulachem elilim. Seems to be unclear why we got into avodah zarah here. And then et shabtotayti shmaru mikdashiti rau ani Hashem. And I want to just talk about this last pasuk. Et shabtotayti shmaru mikdashiti rau ani Hashem. And I know I've packed a lot into a small twenty minutes, but we'll just one more point. It's a pasuk that we already see in Parshat Kedoshim, just a couple parshiot ago. And here it comes up again, and the Ramban talks about the importance of Shabbat, with reference to the Mikdash. 
But the Chizkuni points out that the Targum Yerushalmi, and I, had, I didn't open the Targum Yerushalmi, that Shabbatot refers to Shabbatot Hashanim, the Shemitah years. And Mikdashi, according to him, according to the Yerushalmi, refers to the Yovel years. Now, I didn't see anywhere where the Yovel is referred to as Mikdash, and it is referred to as Kodesh. But I want to take the Chizkuni in half. Clearly in the context of Parshat Behar Bechukotai, Shabbatot refers to not Shabbat, the weekly Shabbat, but Shabbatot, the Shemitah years. At the beginning of the Parsha of Behar, we're talking about Shabbatot HaShanim. In Parshat Bechukotai, we say, Az In this context, it's clear that the Chizkuni, quoting the Yerushalmi, is correct, that Shabbatot do not refer to Shabbat Bereshit, the weekly Shabbat, but to Shabbat of the Shemitah years. And here is a powerful message with which we're ending off Sefer Vayikra. At Shabbatotaiti Shmoru Mikdashit Hirau, if Sefer Vayikra has been stressing to us the centrality of the Beit HaMikdash, Parshat Bahar Kotai ends Sefer Vayikra by giving us a little bit of food for thought in saying, You have to have your priorities set straight. The Beit HaMikdash is only as powerful and only as significant if prior to Morah Mikdash, prior to fearing the Mikdash, we are keeping Shabbatotai Tishmoro. We are keeping the system of the Shabbatot of Shabbatot HaShanim, of Shemitah and Yovel, of social justice, only with a basis of social justice will the Beit HaMikdash and its significance survive. And only with a system of social justice in place can we dream of successfully rebuilding the Beit HaMikdash. And that's just a, a message. Erev Yom Yerushalayim, which we'll be celebrating next week. If we want to dream about how to bring back Yerushalayim to its former glory, we have to know at Shabtotai Tishmoru. We have to know that we have to put into place a system of social justice which looks out for the weak people, gives weak people a chance to succeed in life, to support their family in a respectable manner. Only a system like that can be at the basis of a Mikdash. If Tubate Mikdash were destroyed because of a lack in this regard, then certainly a third Beit Mikdash can only be built when we firmly establish a Shabtotai Tishmoro. And only then can we succeed in Umikdashiti Ro. For any questions, because I said this a lot in a short amount of time, please feel free to write me at jsnobel at gmail.com. Shabbat Shalom and Yom Yerushalayim Sameach.